welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. And today's episode is Season 10, Episode 4, Play Twister Alone and Win. Now, yep. this adjuration we're going to get to in some modest, imprecise detail. But first, yes. we have a very special guest. Who is that guest, Kevin? Season 10, we bring people into the studio who may have never been here before, but Brian Lindsay has been in the studio so much that there's a pile of his blankets and what looks like a used Slurpee cup in the corner over there. And the pillow is yellow with sweat. <laughs> oh, God. Hello, Brian. Hey, hi. I do use that Slurpee cup, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who else uses it <laughs> when oh, you're no. not here? <laughs> That's frightening. Well, the swine flu is now over. And Tony and I are out of our bunker and uh, sewer back in the studio being ebullient about season 10. And yeah, we're going to teach the listener today through some complicated interplay of our four sketches, how to play Twister alone and win. Brian is the only one we know who does play Twister alone, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that correct, Brian? I play Twister alone and I win. So. Do you cheat? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we need to know about how to play Twister alone I, and I, win. I think anybody over 40 has to cheat because I was reminiscing with my wife the other day uh, about the times gone past when we used to be able to, you know, enjoy the slip and slide toy mm. out on the front lawn. Uh -huh. But when I turned 40, I threw myself at the slip and slide and bones cracked, you know, and I was like, I, you're just supposed to slide down the plastic. What happened? You just had soft tissue injury yeah, instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So don't do that anymore. <laughs> you're one of our favorite human beings on this planet of yours, and we've been doing Brianisms pretty much since the beginning. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about getting that kind of unwanted attention? <laughs> I usually rate them on a scale of one mm. to ten, yeah. as, okay. as which ones I find more humorous than others. I would um, like to see that list, honestly, because <laughs> I'd like to see Tony's versus mine versus the occasional one that my cats make. Well, Brian... Um, I think most people tune in for the very end of each show. Yeah, and, to hear and, the and at the very end of the at show. The very, solely. <laughs> the at ratings the very end. spike at that last 10 second <laughs> they do. mark. Which reminds us, you have been working for some time on the uh, Men in Charge fan club promotion. How's that I, going? I have. I, I've going? been sending out volumes of letters to what I hope are potential listeners. Unfortunately, many of them come back as non-deliverable, oh. and I'm not exactly oh. sure why. Well, maybe, I think the fact that we requested money might <laughs> have been a turnoff for some of the recipients. True. That's but true. I thought it was a great deal. It was only $12 a year. Yeah, we shouldn't have used the term Ponzi scheme in the letters, but... <laughs> still, there's still some people that don't know what that is, though. So. It's okay to yeah. say it on the air <laughs> yeah. because thought, it's not the end of the episode. Right. Nobody's listening yet. Well, Brian, one of the things we get our most complaints about are the segments of each episode. What do we have coming up, Kevin? Well, we have something uh, straight from the bayou for you. It's called Cajun Chef and Sniper, and we have a, an actual Cajun chef, just like the old Justin Wilson show from PBS in days past. But this chef uh, cooks with the aid of a friend who is an actual gunnery expert sniper. So we'll see how that works out. But he uh, participates he, from the rafters. He, he does. Shooting yeah. at... Turning on, the, turning on the stove, getting the crawfish dead. Yeah, and maybe taking out the occasional spectator. <laughs> this is America, so there should be snipers. And there should be guns everywhere, yes. After that, we have a special interview with a couple of brothers, one male, one female, I think. 
And yeah. they push fair and balanced blurbs. They're tired of the praise on book jackets. They want the truth. They don't read the books, but they still print out the truth and stamp it furtively in bookstores. So go look for those That's when we right. get to fair and balanced blurbs. And next we have another one that you are responsible oh, yeah. for, Sticky Wicket. Surprise pricks. Pricks. Yeah, this is pushing the envelope of what we can't say, I think, probably on the radio. But this is about getting your vaccine for the swine flu. So it's a public service announcement and we can do no wrong. But anyway, I thought it was funny, and you all had better agree because Brian knows your address <laughs> because you're a potential Men in Charge sure, fan yeah. club member. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, we have Family Dentistry 2. Tell the, us why this is your favorite segment of the, all time, the, Kevin. The family that works on teeth together prays together, and the family that prays together stays together. So with that little tautology, not really, we introduce family dentistry with Timmy. Uh, I play Timmy, who's, what, five years old? Five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, that's right. Time passes on radio. He, he's kind of the professional flosser of the family. can really get in there. Because he has a little <laughs> tiny <laughs> And he's eager to floss. Right. So take a lesson, listeners. Be as eager as Timmy to floss. I particularly like this segment of family dentistry because it confronts a problem that all of us end up having on Sunday afternoon, which is people who guilt us by asking, where were you in church? The ultimate question. And now it's time once again for your favorite cooking show, Cajun Chef and Sniper. Every episode, we welcome a new celebrity apprentice to the Cajun Chef. And this week, it's Annette Rampling, star of the steamy streaming series, Bodice Ripper. And here's the Cajun Chef himself, Justice Robichaux. Ah, uh, yeah. Bonjour to the Cajun Chef and Sniper. And Shah Annette Rampling, welcome to our Petit Cajun Kitchen. Delighted to be here, Justice. This is my first time experiencing Cajun cuisine. Oh, then you're going to be mighty surprised, Miss Rampling. Say, your show, Bodice Ripper, show to have a lot of viewer. Why do you think that, say, Bon, Annette? Well, we have sumptuous costumes and lavish locations, for one thing, and our cast is multi ethnic and diverse. The viewers don't mind that it's not really representative of the Regency period in England. It'd give a whole new meaning to stiff up a lip. Well, yes, all the sex might have something to do with our ratings. Super parfait. Now, Sniper and I already went to your local Walmart to make a grocery bill. Y'all ready to make some Louisiana crawfish pie? Sure, but what type of fish is a crawfish? Ain't no fish at all, ma'am. He hears a crawfish. They fresher when they nice. Mike, lift the fingers on my chef. Sniper, will you do the honors, please? Oh, my God! Someone's firing at us. Oh, that just old sniper. He up in the gallery with the producer. See? Up there. I can't see him. Oh, he up there. Now, I got a bunch of them live crawfish here. Sniper? It easier on the little fellas if they don't see the end coming. Ugh. You certainly do have a strange method of preparing the meat, my good fellow. 
Now over here we got our diced onion, celery, green pepper, and garlic. Sniper done cut all this up for me earlier. Thank goodness for that. And all we gotta do, clean up these used bullets. Pardon me for asking this, and my agent's going to hear from me about this booking on your show, believe me. But uh, why do you have a sniper assisting you with the cooking? Well, I can't do it all alone. Although all the young ladies, they say, justice don't look a day above 60, I'm getting up there in my years. <laughs> sniper, could you turn on the stove, please? Oh, no, Sniper, too hot. We need 375 for our pie. I wasn't clear. Why is your sous chef a sniper? Well, Justice found old Sniper half-chewed to death by a gator out in the swamp. And after I saved him and he got his strength back by force-feeding him my famous gumbo, he swear his life to me. Kind of like Chewbacca and Han Solo in Star Wars, you see, Sha? Does he ever miss? No, but once old Sniper, he got himself rattled when we had that little girl, Lauren Bobert, on the show. You know that little girl? She always rooguruing on the internet about her guns. Sniper here took one shot to take top off a bottle of a Beta Turbo Dog beer I give her to drink, and she quaking in her short pants. <laughs> she run off. No damn alive for her, no, sir. Ah, now, what's your assistant bringing out here? My niece, Brigitte, she got a crawfish pie ready to go into the oven here. The craws inside nestle in chicken stock, Heavy cream, liquid crab boil, and old Justice's own secret Cajun seasoning mix. On sale at your local Piggly Wiggly. Now, allons to the oven. Sniper, you gotta oil those hinges. How's your sniper going to do that? Ah, with gun oil, my share. We cook the crawfish pie for 30 to 35 minutes and more time if you live up the mountain. But look here, Bridget already got a done one, piping hot from the oven for us. Ah, the eternal miracle of television cooking programs. I remember watching Julia Child as, well, a child, and she'd put a ready-to-cook cassoulet in the magic oven, and seconds later a cooked one would pop right out. My mouth watering. Here, let me cut this Louisiana crawfish pie, Ned Rampling. Here, your piece. Mmm, mm, it's good. When Sniper shot the crawfish, I thought, well, I thought this was going to be revolting. But it's so buttery. I can just imagine myself a swamp alligator munching into the delectable crawfish. No, madame, don't you imitate the swamp gator. Old Sniper, he get triggered, both metaphorically and literally, very easy. Listener, that hail of bullets means we're out of time for Cajun Chef and Sniper. Next week, we'll be joined by Congressman Matt Gates and his prom date. And Justice Robichaux will be cooking honey cornbread and shrimp etouffee. Say dodo and laze la bon temple, folks. Join us then, listener. Welcome again, everyone, to another episode of What's New With You, with me, your host, Roger Basement, winner of last year's Way to Go Baritone Award for being named runner-up in the honorable mention category. 
Our guests this week are the Kursts, brother and sister Ambrose and Milo, who've recently stormed the capital, so to speak, of the publishing industry. So, Ambrose and Milo, what exactly did I mean by that? Uh, I'm not sure, but but I, I'd have to agree. What about you, Ambrose? You know, Roger, sometimes when we pick up a book, we check out the blurbs on the dust jacket for, well, some insights as to who liked it, what it's about, that sort of thing. And I know I have decided not to buy a book if the blurbs, you know, sound a little too darned cute, a little too good to be true. So Milo and I thought we'd try to bring a little perspective to the world of blurbing. It's it's like this. Here's a recent blurb describing another damned memoir. A joyous romp through the ups and downs of a classic American childhood told through the eyes of an absolutely extraordinary observer. Oh, come on. My lunch goes right back into the trough when I read that. Milo and I, at that age, lived in drafty old houses where it rained most of the time, and our bikes were pieces of absolute junk. Well, I am sorry. And for dinner, we had jello. And this sports memoir that came out last year. One of the blurbs went on and on about the subject's legendary work ethic and how he changed the game forever. Aw, oh, come on. Everybody knows he was a drunk, a slob, late to everything, and couldn't hit a slider if it bit him in the sweet spot of his bat. So you're saying then that you provide some kind of a, a check on hyperbole, on what, exaggeration? Or just plain lying. Exactly. We call it fair and balanced blurbing. We give folks the um, the big picture, the, the rest of the stories, so to speak. No book is probably as good as the regular blurbers would have you believe. Absolutely. Their job is to sell books. Ours is to... Um, to uh, bring a little perspective. Bingo. That's it. A, a, a kind of earthy, down to earth. That is a, a little uh, a straightforward. Uh, perspective. Right again. That's it. Perspective. Fair and balanced. Well, right off, I have a question. If you guys are, shall we say, undercutting or correcting to a degree what the publisher's blurbs say about any book, then, then why? Why would they even allow our blurbs anywhere near their own blurbs and books? That did occur to me. Well, uh, they don't exactly. Sorry? Uh, so look, here's another example. A blurb for a Western hard scrabble love story sequel set in the midst of the depression. Here goes. 
Seldom in American literature of the Southwest has a writer so truly, so lovingly, and so brutally confronted head-on the terrors, the exhilaration, and the unbounded faith in one's family in a single blinding piece of unforgiving fiction. What, in Dickens' name, is a blinding piece of fiction? If it's blinding, who needs it? I mean... I get the terrors of one's family. (laughs) That part. Yeah, no kidding. So anyway, here's what we did instead. This book carries on with the tedious love story from the previous book that I forget the title of now. The characters die in the end, at least, which is good because no more sequels, right? Meanwhile, the writer needs to lighten up. Maybe buy a juicer or something. I put in the part about the juicer. So, to get back to my earlier question, why, in heaven's name, would any publisher ever even bother to include one of your fair and balanced blurbs if you contradict what their own blurbs say? What motive could they possibly have? Point well taken. That's where a little Yankee ingenuity comes in. See, Roger, we're kind of an after-action power couple, if you know what I mean. No idea. Well, look, we can't force anyone to print our counter-blurbs on their books. But we both have cars, and... And we both know where the bookstores are. And so, you drive to a bookstore, and... Well, actually, before we show up, we've printed off some fair and balanced blurbs with very sticky backs that... You know, stick on to kind of cover up a bit. Uh, the books? I mean, the dust jackets? I mean, the pre-existing blurbs? Bingo. So, are your blurbs attributed to anyone? Do do people know you two wrote them? Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right at the top of each of our blurb stickers, if we like the blurbs, it says, Blessed by the Curse, with our picture right there. And if you don't like the blurbs, I mean the book? Well, to be honest, we don't actually read the book per se, not when we have so many blurbs to deal with. Ever been caught, you know, sticking your own blurbs on over the ones already there? Let's just say... They never made the charges stick. But our blurbs do. You just can't scrape them off. Well, okay then. That's about all the time we have this week. Thanks again to the Cursed family, Milo and Ambrose, as they... As they what? Keep us safe from blurb writer's enthusiasm? Hey, that would make a great blurb. Thanks. Well, okay... Never, well, occasionally never, a dull moment here on What's New With You. Join us next week for more from radio guests who just make us shake our heads. You're listening to Men in Charge. And now, this message from our sponsor. 
Hello, I'm Nigel Ramsey, star of the BBC's Inspector Gurning and host of ITV's newest reality program, The Real Housewives of Regents Hatley, Chelmsford. And yes, my dulcet home county's accented voice is what you've been falling asleep to in front of your television for these last several years now. You know, everyone is excited by the discovery of a vaccine against the swine flu. We so hope that our world can return to normal after the pandemic that made the year 2020 feel like staring at the last stale Weetabix at the bottom of a cracked cereal bowl. Some of us, though, are frightened of getting the actual vaccination. I know I am. And that fear might stand in the way of your going to a nearby clinic or even pub to get your shot, even when you've been promised a free packet of crisps or a fresh box of Weetabix as an incentive. This is where the scheme of sticky wicket surprise pricks, whom I represent, comes in. Sign up on their website for a chosen week, provide them with a brief overview of your schedule, and they'll show up when you least expect it to give you a tiny jab in the arm that will, in the long run, make all of our lives better. So, next time you're at the Tesco redeeming club card points, someone in the tinned bean aisle might just give you a little surprise jab. Ow! Or when you're at the bottom of the garden sowing courgettes or picking gooseberries, a prick might emerge from the nettles. But don't worry, it's not Nutter Harry or balmy and betrench-coated local exhibitionist. It's just a vaccine from Sticky Wicket Surprise Pricks, the latest innovative scheme from the NHS. Sign up today at www.grovenerandmetalbone.uk today. Remember, the only way to be safe in the company of pricks who refuse to wear masks is to get a very different kind of prick. From Sticky Wicket Surprise Pricks, I'm Nigel Ramsey, and I should know. I signed up last week. Men in Charge, synthesizing things that don't belong together since 2012. Listener, we've received a lot of calls from members of the cast of the old segment Family Dentistry to ask when Men in Charge would produce a new segment of Family Dentistry. Now, normally, Tony and I can't summon much interest in the concerns of our cast members, but this week, unfortunately, we found ourselves needing an extra sketch. So here we are once again with Bill and Sally for Doctors Wembley and Wembley Family Dentistry. This time, for no reason we understand, Danny, the Doctor's Wembley's surly teenage son-slash-hygienist, has been replaced by a surly teenage daughter-slash-hygienist, Mona. And Timmy! That's right, and Timmy. I'm five! And yes, after all these years, Timmy is still five years old. Today, we find the entire Wembley family, except for the now non-existent Danny, of course, 
at Trot's Cafe, a semi-popular diner in downtown Lower Heights. It's Sunday after church, but let's not kid ourselves that the Wembleys went to church. Well, if it isn't the Dr. Wembleys, welcome to Trot's. My name tag says I'm Darlene. How was church? Church? Uh, well, it... Wait, was that today? We missed church again? We've got to stop using last year's calendar. Mom actually hates church. Your mom does not hate church. Table for one, please. Sally, I I didn't say you hated church. Table for two, then. Well, there's only that one booth over there that the kitchen door hits when we come out with your food. I guess that'll be fine. Right, kids? Can I wait outside? It smells funny in here. You know why this cafe is called Trots, don't you? And then I want to hear more about this church business you were talking about, Darlene. Wait, where's Timmy? He's probably out wandering the streets looking for us. I'll go find him. I'm here, under Mom's coat. What are you doing under Mom's coat? Oh, nothing. It's too dark. I'll go get Mona. But don't talk about what happened in church till I get back. Well, I guess it's just you and me, Timmy. I'm sure they'll all be back soon enough. It's a small town. So here's some menus. But I'm sort of bewildered about something. How come Mrs. Dr. Wembley keeps asking about church? Mom hates church. I'm Timmy. (laughs) Oh, Timmy, you know that's not true. I'm five. But... But Mrs. Dr. Wembley can't hate church if she doesn't go. So then why? (sighs) Uh, Well, she thinks that if she doesn't keep asking about church, people will ask her for free dental advice. You know, show her their mouths. Why, she's just being silly. Since you're right here, Dr. Bill, I can ask you. What's going on, do you think, with this red part of my lower gums? Right here. You see? The swollen part. Uh... Can I floss you, waitress lady? I'm a good flosser. Maybe later, Timmy. So what do you think, Dr. Bill? Uh, it's kind of hard to see in this light. Uh Uh-huh. Here, look closer. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Why don't you make an appointment for sometime next week? No dental insurance. This is America, you know? Can I look? Can I, Dad? Can I? Let him look, Dad. You and Mom never let him look. How about if I shine my cell phone light on it? There. Is that better? Uh, Maybe if we look at menus first. Hey, Dr. Bill. I'm Big Joe. I see you're looking at my employee's teeth this morning. Can I be next? Hi, Big Joe. I'm Timmy. Actually, we're just here for breakfast after church. Church? Why, I didn't see you there this morning. That's why we're here. Uh, unaccountably, we missed church. So we wanted to find out what happened. What happened at church? You've got to tell us. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have now for Family Dentistry with Timmy. Tune in again next time when we'll hear Darlene say... Marjorie Taylor Green, Congress member from George's 11th District, says that flossing is a plot to weaken the teeth. If enough stuff gets wedged in there, she says it toughens the gums and teeth like concrete. She's right. See how gray everything is in there?
Tony, we're out of time, so just enough time to thank the cast. Your job today. There's always time to thank the cast. We'd like to thank, for their darling voices, Maureen Hager, Kevin Decker, Tony Flynn, Joni Stewart-Strobelt, Steve Lloyd, Faith Lloyd, Ann Porter, and Terry McMullen as your favorite stuffed bear. We'd also like to thank our writers, Tony Flynn, Scott Herrick, and Kevin Decker. We'd like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme music, and also the five who strangely are the four big stars of Quadrophenia, Nisha Schramm, Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nancy Roth, and Brian Lindsay, the man who made Paris the capital of France just to prove a point. 